You are listening to the Music Ed Mentor Podcast, where we help music educators to build, manage, and grow thriving school music programs and have long and happy careers. I am your host, Elisa Jansen-Jones, and I want to thank you in advance for sharing this time with me and for taking time out of your busy life to improve yourself and your teaching practice by listening. In our last episode, I shared with you what to expect over the next six months at least of episodes. We're going to be highlighting innovation in music education and talking about how to create a lifestyle to support you in this career. Today's episode falls into the former category, and my guest is my dear friend Christopher Schroeder. Christopher is the executive director of the Boston Music Project, along with many other things. And today he's going to share with us how this organization that provides music education to hundreds of students through after-school programs was able to pivot at the start of the pandemic and find new ways to engage learners in music creation and learning in spite of being physically separated. I think it's going to surprise you. I will tell you that the outcome they achieved is magnificent. So you're going to want to access the show notes page for this one. You'll find the show notes at smartmusic.com slash blog. Simply enter podcast and the episode number in the search bar. Speaking of smart music, this podcast couldn't happen without their amazing support. Smart Music has long been one of the fastest innovators in music education software, and they continue to offer new options in their platform, both to support you as an educator and to enhance your students' learning as well. From the site reading builder to their new playlist feature, you'll discover ways to make shifts in your instruction now. Visit smartmusic.com to learn more. And while you're online, Sign up to try Music Professor free in your classroom for 30 days. With more than 45 online video courses in wind and percussion instruments, your students will have access to professional demonstrations of tone and technique to reinforce what you're teaching in rehearsal. It also tracks their learning as well. Use the video lessons modularly to support your in-person class or assign a full course to students who need a little support to catch up or who might be switching to a new instrument. Visit musicprofessor.com to learn more and sign up today. Now, let's talk pivot and innovation with Christopher Schroeder. Hi everyone, my name is Christopher Schroeder. Um, I am a Boston-based musician, educator, and arts advocate. Uh, for over 15 years, um, creating uh, music programs and hopefully influencing music programs and ecosystems throughout the Boston community and throughout the United States. And that's your work, but what's your background? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm a trumpet player, uh, husband to uh, amazing partner, Monica, father to two really cool kids, Gray, who's six, and Magnolia, who's two, going on 17. Um, for about you know, 15 years or so, I've, I've been an educator, uh, really focused on developing 
creative music communities that support a child's overall well-being um, to ensure that you know they find success in all they seek to achieve music or otherwise uh, my primary areas of expertise are interdisciplinary curriculum design and creative self-expression through music very 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 cool and I have really appreciated so many of the great professional development sessions and stuff that you've been giving. And I want to get into what you just said about generating creative musical solutions. But I want to hear a little bit more about BMP, the Boston Music Project, how it got started, how did you get inspired to get into it and get involved? Um, what is the mission now and how can it help inspire us? I know that's a lot and I'm going to let you talk, but just tell us about it and why the work is so important and why now? Ten years ago, uh, the Boston Music Project was uh, initially, it was called the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program. Uh, it was an El Sistema inspired program that started with uh, about 50 students and five teaching artists. The idea uh, for the co-founders was to bring music education to uh, a school within Boston Public Schools that didn't have any music at the time uh, and certainly didn't have a before school program. And at that time, it really needed one, um, given the late school start. Uh, 9.30 is when the doors open for the kids. And so having that before school program created a, a really you know, nice, nice opportunity to have students come in before, start their day with music five days a week. Um, with a multitude of orchestras and so on. Uh, over the last well, seven years, um, prior to my time with the organization, they uh, had grown the program. After about the seventh year, they were a recognized partner with Boston Public Schools under social emotional learning uh, and, and overall just wellness uh, through music. They had 150 students in the program, about 17 teaching artists, and I was uh, at that time, uh, working in another El Sistema inspired program, and I was invited to uh, to join them as their executive director. The last three years, you know, obviously we've been dealing with COVID. You know, in my second year, which was you know a challenge, but uh, a lot of kind of beautiful um, moments came out of that, and a lot of learning um, for the better. Um, but part of that that uh, that vision that I saw for the organization was a rebrand. Uh, to move away from just Josiah Quincy Orchestra program, where we were serving just uh, a, a wonderful population in Chinatown in Boston. But then now to take this program that at that point, uh, after its eighth year, after my first year, we had expanded to about 200 students. We had a special needs music ensemble. We started to reach out to city officials within uh, Boston, school officials, uh, executive director for the arts. What are the needs? Where could uh, an organization like us uh, kind of fall into uh, into the, the community that is, you know, the arts within Boston and support more schools? And so during the pandemic, we rebranded the organization to Boston Music Project. And uh, now we have eight school sites, um, 30 plus teaching artists that are working with, with us, and we serve over 600 youth providing them with weekly music instruction uh, that is instrumental music instruction, strings, brass, uh, winds, digital music composition, 
The special needs program is now expanded to a second school site, general music. And overall, the vision is to work with Boston Public Schools and provide a K-12 music pathway through, um, through the various schools uh, within the district. So we're starting with, with uh, eight. The last data that we had was in the spring of 2021. Out of 125 schools in the district, 51 of them didn't have any music whatsoever. No teaching artists, no full-time staff, no part-time staff, et cetera. And so we've identified. That's so crazy. I'm sorry, but Boston, right? Yeah. Didn't have yeah. music in some of their schools, like half. It's, I mean, it's a massive district. And I know that there's been a lot of work to try to rectify that, but still, you know, despite all those efforts, uh, there's still that, that need. And so uh, we identified schools that, you know, were really realistic within our uh, circle, you know, within probably a five mile radius uh, from our main site, just like Quincy Elementary School. And now um, we're in South Boston, we're in Dorchester, we're in Roxbury, we're in Jamaica Plain, we're in a lot of the, um, you know, the, the key communities within the city and looking still, you know, to, to see if there's a, you know, need. But the point of all of this is, is all of those locations that we're at, it's strategically aligned so that we can start to build this K-12 pathway. Um, so that in addition to our music programs, we can also measure the success that music has on a school community, uh, on a community. You know, how, how does bringing a music program affect not only academic success, attendance, the social emotional learning and development of a child, the creative capacity for, for a young person, uh, but how it influences the community, how it brings people together, you know, and how we can create these really beautiful moments as we've done for the last nine years. Uh, now as Boston Music Project, it, it feels like we're getting closer, you know, to um, having that opportunity to support, but also make a case, um, a, a case that has been made time and time again, but we can just be part of that advocacy um, in a real way. Do you just love the work that you're doing? I, I really, I enjoy it. You know, I, I honestly, like even today, I'm in a couple different schools, you know, visit the morning program, uh, which has 155 students that basically take over the Quincy Elementary School in the morning. And we have uh, somewhere in the ballpark of like 18, 20 teaching artists that are literally in every corner of the, of the, uh, the, the common spaces of the building. Um, and then I go to South Boston and I'm on the water and I, you know, go into the Perry school and um, have a chance to see the K1, K2 general music classes and then the digital music composition. And then we have Brass and Winds uh, and another, just a whole other team that works at that school. And then, you know, if time permits, I, I jet across the city and I'm in uh, Jamaica Plain and I'm at the Margarita Muniz Academy, which is a uh, bilingual uh, high school within the district where we're doing digital music for all ninth and 10th graders. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because of this innovative digital music composition program. And you sent me a link to the album and I adore it. The, mm -hmm. so I want to, I want to I wish I could play some of it for people, but we'll have the link to the album. You have it on SoundCloud. And so people should go listen to it, right? And Absolutely. The, the, the way that 
the students were so clearly expressing themselves through this digital composition medium is incredibly powerful and impactful. Will you tell me more about how that got started and how the album came to be and what the experience looked like to, for the students? Without going all the way back, I'll, I'll, I'll go back just a, a, month, a month after COVID uh, because honestly, all of it, you know, was in response to this, you know, incredible tragedy that, you know, had had taken taken the world, taking so many lives. Uh, and we were just continuing to try to move forward as a small nonprofit. There we had, um, you know, 28 staff on payroll. We had 100 and, you know, uh, 190 so students that we were working with March 13th, 2020. We turned the program around four days and uh, four days later, we had turned it into a totally virtual program, uh, five days a week, every morning from eight to nine a.m. Our teaching artists would log on. Uh, they would provide uh, students in small groups, uh, group music lessons for their string program. Uh, so all the you know violins in the first grade orchestra, you know, and so on would would gather, and then throughout the week we set them up with half hour virtual private lessons. So, you know, the goal with that was continue the ensemble focus of the program, continue the orchestra, you know, idea moving forward, but understanding that these students needed individualized attention, we're able to be a little crafty with, you know, the, the budget and, you know, essentially reimagine a program within four days that, you know, went from five days a week of group classes to uh, five days a week with these small half hour private lessons uh, and check-ins, you know, throughout, throughout the time. I say all that because it was just, you know, it's just uh, incredible how quickly it all happened, uh, how quickly we had to respond and, and what came out of it, you know, I think is something that, that all of us, um, you know, on the team and within our communities and supporters and so forth have been really proud, um, you know, to see. In April, we realized that there was a spring break coming up. And as a parent of two myself, thinking, oh my gosh, you know, what are parents to do? You know, we're still, you know, in some degree, to some degree having to maintain our jobs, uh, but there wasn't, you know, uh, some sort of schooling or some sort of entertainment and so forth. And so I pulled together a small group of our teaching artists and said, you know, I don't want to throw the, you know, the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Um, I don't want to redesign our entire program, but what are some ways that we could stay relevant during this crazy and uncertain time? And one of the things that came out of that was um, the utilization of browser-based music applications. So Chrome Music Lab, for example, uh, came to the fore um, really quickly. And actually that was a parent that, that sent, a, uh, sent that to us. Before I had known about Incredibox and Hook Theory and Accordion and um, you know some of these other uh, browser-based platforms, but then our team said, "Well, what about Soundtrap? You know, I've used it a little bit. Um, what about uh, Beastbox? You know, these these kind of fun applications that people had just kind of dabbled in but never used it, uh, created a curriculum uh, around it completely. And so we took uh, a week to kind of ideate uh, with this this small group." And we put together a spring break program that essentially was kind of beta, beta testing all of these, you know, different ways in which we could stay relevant um, within music. 
it went really well. We had, you know, uh, doodling to music for like K1, K2 kids. So, you know, they were learning about music and the aesthetic of music, they were listening to it, and then they were drawing, you know, pictures uh, virtually. And then we had a digital music class that was at different levels. They were engaging in, in, uh, in some sort of composition or some sort of creative practice, but they were using the Chromebooks that they had. Um, and all of it was, you know, it was free. You didn't have to pay any, any subscription. So it wasn't a, a, you know, a hit on our budget, you know, so, so, so on. The summer, then we started to look to that and we thought, well, let's, you know, do a 2.0, uh, 2.0 instrumental music, uh, for kind of the virtual space and a 2.0 for digital music and find a way to dig in a little bit more. And so some of the projects that we came out of that or came out of that summer were uh, musical storybooks for K1, K2 kids um, and first graders composing music in hook theory and then transcribing that on their instruments and creating compositions um, with that or rather the software um, spits out um, standard notation. Um, and then we started to get a little bit more sophisticated. We used BandLab for a little bit because it was, you know, it was free. Um, and then one of our team members said, you know, we really should invest in Soundtrap. It's a really powerful platform. Uh, Josh Wareham was, was our music technology specialists. And so we went for it. And that opened up a whole other sea of, of creative expression because, you know, there you had, you know, three or 5,000 different loops and samples that captured certain uh, you know, emotions and aesthetics. And, uh, and then we started just to create, you know, within that space, thinking about the mission of the organization, thinking about the, the different um, practices that set Boston Music Project apart from, you know, say a, a general music class, we have the time, we have the capacity, we have an amazingly creative staff. Let's go one step further. Let's, let's really dig into social emotional learning. Uh, it is a part of our mission and, and obviously still is, but let's, let's tie in what's happening right now in the world to this digital space and have kids spend a little bit of time writing about it. Have, you know, students during that summer program reflect on their experience, you know, for the, over this last, you know, over the last couple of months, et cetera. And so we started to ideate around this. And so it wasn't just a music composition practice, but it was really diving, it was, it was like therapy. You know, um, having the students express, asking kind of the gentle questions of like, how are you doing today? And then doing a, an ice breaking exercise that would just say like, well, what does that sound like in music? And is there a loop in Soundtrap or BandLab that captures how you're feeling? And they would take that, you know, chill piano, you know, or, or they would take the, you know, crazy electric guitar. And they're like, this is how I'm feeling right now. I'm like, all right, cool. So we found our source material and now let's go a step away from the emotion. And I want you to just use this loop and find other elements of music or other loops that uh, complement that. And then we started talking about form and structure. We started talking about, you know, pacing, uh, you know, basically arranging um, within, within this digital platform. Once we had those pieces, we had, you know, two, three minutes of music that you know, because it's all digital, because it's already pre-recorded and so forth, it sounded, you know, like a lot of the stuff on the radio. The thing that was kind of missing was still like that storytelling component of it. We, we thought, well, let's just have the students, if they don't 
feel comfortable singing, if they don't feel comfortable, you know, being an MC and rapping, you know, or, or kind of, you know, going, going, um, you know, really heavy into, you know, rhythmic speak or however, let's just have them to say what they wrote. Um, and then we'll work with the teaching artists and the, or the teaching artists rather work with the students and, and the together, they would be creative. And like, when do you place that? This student said something really poignant, but does it go at the beginning? You know, and then we started having these conversations around, you know, these larger forms and larger storytelling, storytelling through the music. And so that what ended up happening was, was, um, you know, we were basically creating this template that we've now used three different times um, since the first album that we had released was called Caged Bird, and it was inspired by Maya Angelou's um, poem uh, of the same name. We had another track or another album that we released that was entitled 11th Moon, and that we partnered with Ensemble McNawooge, and which is a, an amazing um, contemporary hip hop orchestra based out of Oakland, California. They uh, launched what we've done now, which is our creative sessions, which is a whole disseminating piece of, of these practices. And you had alluded to that earlier about the PDs and so forth that we've done. So these creative sessions started with 11th Moon and this project. And that was working with a, uh, a, a really a high needs population at the McKinley School, uh, the McKinley Prep, uh, ninth through 12th graders uh, there at that school virtually, we were working with them. And then the final project that has brought us together was the one that we just did this past summer, which um, was with the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education, where we had, we called it uh, Amplify Massachusetts. And we worked with uh, seven different schools or, or uh, summer programs around Massachusetts and, and partnered with their 21st century learning summer programs and essentially brought these teaching artists virtually into those spaces. And the result was Amplify Massachusetts, an album with 18, 19 tracks that really kind of, it's, it's like 7.0 for us. You know, we've, we've gone through the process with Caged Bird, 11th Moon, partnering with, you know, really well-established performing artists in this kind of creative space and music in general. Um, uh, with this you know, hip hop orchestra and, and their their instrumentation and so forth, that's just you know really eclectic in that way, and now um, made it our own with Amplify Massachusetts. Now we have four different digital music uh, pro uh, programs that uh, we're running in Boston public schools uh, at a lot of these schools where, at the time in the conversations, they didn't have the money to purchase instruments. And so I said, well, they have Chromebooks. And so, and they said, yeah, let's, yeah, what, what do you want to do with those? Well, let's roll out our digital music module. So we call it, you know, um, uh, digital music composition, DMC, um, kind of a little play on, on uh, you, you know, that, that um, run DMC and so forth. Yes, um, well, <laughs> well played. Well yeah, played. right. You know, so kind of just kind of like this, this play on something that was a foot in the door, you know, so to speak. And come to find out that one of the schools, the McKinley Prep, in fact, they have an entire studio in the basement that had not been used for about three years. Um, and kind of how I think of like ORF instruments in, in elementary music programs where 
they're the things that a passionate music teacher uh, invested in some years ago, and then they left to you know get the awesome high school job, and <laughs> the orphan Schmitz ended up in the closet with dust all over them and all that. And what do you do with these things? You know, et cetera. Anyways, there's a whole music studio uh, with a you know 26 inch um, Mac uh, computer uh, booth microphones, et cetera. It felt like you know, Jurassic Park after 50 years, like walking in and blowing the dust off the boards and, you know, cleaning things up. And now literally five days a week, we're in there um, producing uh, tracks, uh, albums. The kids are, are in there. Basically half of them are like music producers and half of them are artists or MCs. And so some of them are writing lyrics, some of them are writing tracks, you know, but there's this collaborative energy uh, within this space. And if you know the McKinley Prep and if you know the McKinley community within Boston Public Schools, it's it's incredible. You walk through metal detectors. Uh, you you go down in the basement. You know you hear you know a lot of kind of shouting and whatnot. You know in the upper floors, and you walk down in the basement. You all the doors are force locked, and so you have to have a key in order to get into any of the, the rooms. And then you go back into this music space, and there's six kids at, uh, in front of. Um, uh, Mac computers that now we've invested in in, uh, in in that program. So they're all sitting in front of these computers, and they're like, oh, I, "I want this beat," or "I like I like this sound," and you know, and I, I heard this like you know flute riff, and I really wanted to incorporate that, and it's it's art, you know, and and it's 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 a really just a beautiful experience to see the exterior of the building, to walk through you know all of those uh, those those. Um, you know, just physical barriers that the students have to deal with on a daily basis to go into this back room where there's so much creative energy and smiles and, um, man, we're, you know, the kids are literally saying like, we're going to get out of here. Like, this is it guys. Like this is, this track is it, you know, like, like that's lit, you know, whatever. And they're, and they're, they're so excited about what they're doing because they really feel like they've been provided a platform, right? You know, they've been provided a, a mic, you know, and, and that's, just incredibly empowering, you know, to them. So, yeah, so it, it, it came out of this need to, you know, respond in some sort of way, in a creative way after the pandemic, during the pandemic, still in the pandemic. But now we've found a way in that is, you know, somewhat cost effective, uh, but, but still it's, it's incredibly powerful to see these students that would otherwise not have access to music education like this engage and be inspired and now have you know free platforms like soundcloud um, we're going to invest in in getting DistroKid and start to actually distribute these tracks you know we'll monetize them we're not going to make that much money off of that stuff if, if if nothing you know really but but the idea of of creating that gateway you know and so so there's a lot of a lot of creative projects i'm going on but i, I just um it was important to to kind of tell that full story. No, I, I love it. That's exactly what, you know, we're, we want to talk about is this incredibly innovative way that you pivoted and took the opportunity of the pandemic at, to create something that provided an outlet for students in a way that is so incredibly meaningful and is connecting them to music and can be done at almost any age you know, talking about just letting younger students doodle, like that is a way of creating music is by listening and experiencing it too. And that's going to make them better creators as they grow up. 
people don't realize that just fun drawing to music exercises or movement to music, independent movement to music is a way to enhance their listening skills and can, can help teach. You know, I've, I've been teaching form to kindergartners because it's so easy based on the movement of each mm -hmm. section of the piece. And then they start to understand that at this incredibly basic level. And I love that digital music has really gotten into the spotlight, not because it, it just enhances what we can offer to students to let them connect with music in a relatively simple, accessible way. Like you said, they may not be able to afford, you know, brand new Bach trumpets, but they maybe have a Chromebook and that that could be the bridge there. So that's so, so awesome. So how do you, how, have you created any materials that can help teachers who maybe want to have a digital creation project in their classrooms? We have um, documented all of the work that we're doing, you know, creating lesson plans, coming up with that initial plan, obviously, you know, and then what's that saying of like, here's how it, here's how, well, at any rate, the, the idea we've been creating these lesson plans, coming back to the drawing board, that didn't work, this worked, you know, and so forth, and then refining that and then taking it on to the next uh, project or the next module, you know, and so forth. So we do have this internally documented. Um, since April of 2020, uh, I've, I've been fortunate and members of my team now have been fortunate to uh, to be invited by uh, Con Selmer, to be invited by uh, the National Association for Music Educators. Scott Edgar uh, and I worked on a, on a project together, uh, um, a, um, an article for, for NAFME, uh, sharing best practices, sharing the things that we've learned um, over this uh, over this time. So I've, I, we've done this about 15 times over uh, now in different, um, um, uh, different virtual PDs and so forth. And certainly always willing to, you know, meet with teachers and find out what their challenges are. You know, sometimes it's really hard to like put this in a box, you know, like, oh, you should do like, you know, this, this plan um, or, you know, and this will work, but rather what are your needs, you know, and, and exactly what we had to do, we were responding to the needs of our community um, and have continued to adapt that. So, you know, we don't have this in a, you know, disseminatable, you know, playbook um, at the moment, but um, opening the doors for conversations um, with uh, with school districts, uh, with individual schools, charter schools, nonprofits, et cetera, that are interested uh, in, in going deeper um, in creative expression, social emotional development, you know, eventually civic engagement, um, all, all of those those elements that are really important and key to Boston Music Project. We're happy to um, to connect with folks and, uh, and support them on their projects. Okay, so backtracking just a little bit, can you tell us about your teaching artists? Who are they? How do they get involved? Is it volunteer? If one of us wants to be a teaching artist, how do we how do we do that? Sure. Um, that's, that's a beautiful idea, actually. I like that. I I'm just inviting people to come in and, and, um, and do that. So, yeah, so we, all of them paid, uh, all of them are our staff. Some of them are part-time. Um, well, all, all of our staff uh, in fairness are, are part-time. Um, the organization 
again, like three years ago was a small uh, nonprofit and still is. This expansion from the two schools that we were in uh, prior to COVID and so forth um, to now seven or eight schools uh, is is uh, really in the last six six months uh, where uh, contracts and so forth were signed. So we're we're still in this early uh, period. Anyways, I say all that so to, to understand that all of our teaching artists in the moment are part-time. Uh, you know, we'd love to be able to uh, start to expand uh, teaching artist roles and, and provide more substantial income for, for them. But at the moment, that's that's where we are. The, the idea and the concept of a teaching artist is, is that of, you know, the profile of a, a lot of our teachers are active performers that supplement with teaching. Some of them prioritize teaching and they freelance here and there. But I think the one thing that's really important to note is that the role of a teaching artist is, is to be a passionate educator, but also to be inspired, you know, through their own creative practices on a, a daily, weekly basis. They're not, I don't know how to say this, and you know, they're not just teaching. Um, and while, you know, being a full-time teacher is, is, you know, certainly, um, and a, a beautiful profession and one that I encourage all of our teaching artists to consider, you know, as they, as they develop uh, their skills as an educator, uh, we find that working with active performers creates this synergy that, that continues to make the rehearsals electric uh, where, you know, we can sit down with a, with a, an orchestra staff, uh, a team of, of teaching artists that work with an orchestra and say like, hey, you know, like I, I saw you performing with the, you know, the the Berkeley Indian Ensemble. Um, we'd love to do a partnership with them. Let's uh, let's see. Could you reach out? Could you make some connections there and see if we can do a collaboration and bring some of that artistry into the classroom? So that's those are the kind of teaching artists, uh, educators that we're really looking for. Uh, people that that are continually staying inspired as active performers. Uh, but are also supplementing that uh, that lifestyle with uh, with teaching and, and want to be good at teaching. So I love that. Uh, having spent eight or nine years running my own private lessons studio, performing on the side and teaching private lessons so I could, you know, be home and raise my kids. It definitely did keep me inspired. So let's kind of pivot here. We've been talking about innovation. Let's talk about inspiration and why it is important for us as teachers to stay inspired. I, I've taught, I still teach, of course, you know, in, in, in different ways. Um, but I, I definitely re recall, you know, seven years in, you know, I, I had consumed a lot of my hours with teaching. Um, you know, as you start to, you know, as you, you you um, you know want to start a family. You want to start you know creating a, a lifestyle that's a little bit more predictable in some ways, a little bit more sustainable, um, you know financially. And granted, like some people get those tour gigs, and you know they're they're able to you know really create a lifestyle for themselves and a and an income. You know that's that's incredibly sustainable. Um, I, I wasn't one of those people. <laughs> you know I, I had opportunities to freelance and, and play, but I found that teaching was something I was really passionate about. Um, but it was also the thing that, you know, the doors, the doors kept opening, 
Um, and so I continued to go down that path. Um, I was, um, after about seven years of, of teaching, feeling, you know, a little, a little burnt out, you know, from the work that I was doing day in and day out. And I was a full-time teacher at that time. Yeah, I was, I was fortunate at the time I was doing some, you know, creative projects with, uh, El Sistema USA and, and, uh, uh, the LA Phil, uh, starting what is now the, uh, Yola National Orchestra. And I remember sitting around with really, there were 16 teaching artists that they brought together. And I was the high brass faculty, uh, for this, uh, initial, uh, inaugural year. And I was sitting around with these amazingly talented people. And, you know, we were in Aspen and, you know, having these incredible experiences. And I remember reflecting on, on just like what I was doing at home and, and then folks were having these conversations. Oh, well, you know, I'm doing this like New Orleans style brass band and like, you know, oh, we're doing this project and we're doing this. And I'm like, I've always wanted to do a New Orleans style brass band. Um, you know, I cut my teeth playing at Disney uh, in the college band for three years when I was in Florida, um, you know, seasonally. And that was such a formative experience. And I thought to myself, well, why haven't I done that yet? Like, why haven't I really, you know, dug my heels in and, and focused on New Orleans style brass band, you know, for example, through that kind of pursuit of my own personal, personal, personal aspirations and inspirations, I ended up taking a summer and just thinking like, how could I, how could I bring this energy to, you know, my top eighth graders, you know, for example, that next year. And I sought to bring this kind of New Orleans style brass band to my students that next year. And I felt like it was, you know, really something that they would enjoy played some music for them. And of course they were like all over it. They were, Oh my gosh, like what, where do we start? And we started to get these performances and playing around the city and all this uh, sort of thing. And what I realized through that whole process was by staying inspired, I can be inspiring. Um, by continuing to kind of fill my cup, uh, as it were, I would have the opportunity to inspire folks to, you know, to do the same, to, um, you know, to, to seek, you know, creative projects. And so that, that, that summer of just investment in how do I start a New Orleans style brass band has, has now been every summer I say, what do I want to do next year? And I commit to some sort of creative project. The year after that, it was, I've always just thought of this notion of like, we are artists, but we claim to be artists, you know, as orchestral musicians, you know, we're, we're, we're musicians. But at the end of the day, when you sit in that orchestra, you're at the mercy of the conductor. You play how they want you to play. You know, if the trumpets are playing too loud. It's not for you to decide. It's the conductor, you know, giving you the hand. Um, if Beethoven wanted you to play, you know, this particular way on this particular horn, because it's in this particular style, then you have to do that. And so, you know, oftentimes the orchestral musician is anything but creative. Uh, you're, you know, in, in some ways kind of regurgitating the, the music of, of days of old, and you're trying to, you know, preserve, you know, that, that amazing music. And it is amazing. There's no question about it. But at the end of the day, what are we teaching our kids? Are we teaching them that a successful concert is you can play all the black notes on the page the way that some composer um, has intended you to do it? Or are we giving them skills so that if they want to 
create a melody on their instrument that reflects their mood at the time, and they can truly use music as a vehicle for creative expression. You know, are, are we doing that as educators? And, I, and I've always thought like, it, we're, we're, we're not doing the right thing, you know, by saying, I've always wanted to conduct, you know, Salvation is Created, or I've always wanted to play, you know, the Hulse suite, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not, that's not what we should be doing in our classrooms. Instead, we should be providing tools and resources for students to walk out of that room. Sure, being able to read, sight read, to be able to, you know, to, to play with others uh, in, a, in short fashion, which is, you know, having the ability to read music. Or, you know, as jazz musicians uh, do, and I'm sure as Beethoven did when he was, um, when he was composing all of his symphonies, was just playing from his heart you know, playing from their heart and having the creative capacity to, to truly speak the language of music on their instruments uh, without fear that they were doing it wrong. And so I, I just continued to kind of seek out opportunities to demystify that creative process, both for students, but also for teachers. Con Selmer gave you know, me a great opportunity to lead uh, a session uh, with, um, with some educators at uh, CSI uh, two, three years ago. And we had the opportunity where for four hours as a pre-conference session, uh, teaching artists from around, or te excuse me, teachers, uh, and teaching artists, sure, uh, around the country would get together. And the, the goal was, or the objective was each of you in your small groups have four hours to compose at least three minutes of music. And that was the goal. Uh, that was it, you know, and I gave them some tools and ideas and, you know, kind of things to be inspired uh, with and some directions to go, but, but that was the goal. Um, they had a performance in three days and they had four hours in this session to essentially see, see examples of students doing the same thing and then get in their small groups and compose this music. That was project number two. That was my summer, the next summer. And so every year beyond that, I've tried to just identify one area that I want to explore as, as a creative human. Uh, last year was digital music composition. And now you're seeing, you know, the results of, of that. And obviously in collaboration and partnership with uh, our amazing teaching artists. Uh, so I, I, I maybe I've gone off stray here, you know, with the initial question and so forth, but I just feel like it's so important as educators, uh, especially, especially when you find yourself in a rut to go back to that. Why? Like, why did you start? Why did you want to be a musician in the first place? Uh, you know, what have you always wanted to do as an educator, but felt like it was too big of a risk? You know, I've got to have the December concert because the superintendent's going to be there and it's got to sound great. And so I'm going to push these kids and, you know, until it, until it looks awesome and it sounds awesome and all that stuff. But imagine taking that December concert and having the students talk about what they did in class. I bet you, your superintendent, I bet you the principal would find a conversation or an explanation from students about the process that the students took in order to create, present uh, the concert would, I would, I would, I'm willing to bet, you know, I don't know what I bet, but I'm willing to, to, to bet that that would be 4 million times more transformative um, of, a, of an experience for the audience 
than playing a really awesome version of Carol of the Bells. No, I don't know. I mean, Carol of the Bells, come on. <laughs> yeah. There like are home a home. lot of versions to choose from. <laughs> you know, but, but just that idea of like, where are the students in, in this creative process? And, and are we truly providing them an opportunity to develop their skills as creative humans yeah. first? It, it goes down to what, what really is most important. And just a, a real quick story. I uh, took over a band program that had struggled for a few years and they had never been to a concert band festival. And I told the students, if you join band or stay in band, then next spring we'll go on a trip for a day and we'll go to a band festival and we'll get a judge who will come up and tell us how we can be better and we'll get to do this performance and it'll be great. So they totally bought in and I ended up with this mishmashed ensemble of sixth, seventh and eighth graders. Right. <laughs> and right. when I was picking repertoire for this, it had to be simple enough. We could put it together and it would sound good and the students would love it. And I threw out the window, the idea that we were going to do, you know, traditional band literature, cause that's not what they were super into. And I was trying to get them to buy in hard. Right. <laughs> So we, we ended up playing, uh, how to train your dragon yeah. and we went for comments only. Cause I told them, you know, what matters most is that we're actually doing it, that we're taking this leap. And it was so intimidating for them and scary for them and exciting for them, but they got to play this music that they just loved. I mean, we, we still did a March, right. We still did like a really pretty ballad. Um, but it, but they had a great successful performance and it was so adorable because I was at a Catholic school where I taught and we got on stage and we're about to start. And one of the flute players said, Ms. Jones, can we say a prayer first? So on yeah. stage, we said a little prayer, did the performance and had just this incredible experience and only because we made it meaningful for them. And that's really what I feel like we've talked about today is creating meaning in so many ways for our students. And it's, it's not always about having this incredible one plus performance, although that is incredibly rewarding, but if all you can do with your students is get them to emote and create and express themselves through digital music creation, for example, then you're winning, you're teaching. And, and maybe that's what it's all about and keeping your passion alive. I saw this quote the other day that said, maybe it's not about doing less of what you don't like and more of what you do. Sure. And yeah. so discovering those things that you are passionate about and when you're no longer passionate about them anymore, find a new passion. Yeah. Well, Christopher, this has been a wonderful chat and conversation. I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us all about the Boston Music Project. We've got links in the show notes to the bostonmusicproject.org webpage. Um, I know you're involved with Global Leaderships Program. I think it's awesome if people can be involved in that. Um, I dropped in a link for SoundCloud to uh, they can access the albums for Boston Music Project. I highly recommend that. It is incredible. Um, one student does one that's like 
past, present, future me, like past me, present me, future me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, just that little sequence is just so yeah. freaking cool. I was, I am, I will be. That's it. I was, I am, I will be. Ah, it gets me. Um, so thank you so much. Any final words before we end? I, I think I've said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, I think just, yeah, check it out. Listen to the, what the kids have created, you know, and, and our staff, I, I think it's just something that I'm really proud of, um, you know, over the last, you know, 19, 20, you know, however months, um, through this time, it's, it's been a silver lining. It's been inspiring for me. Um, and it's opened a lot of doors, uh, for, for young people, um, and, and team members that, that would otherwise not have that access if we didn't move forward, you know, during what was a really uncertain and still uh, uncertain time uh, for everybody. Now, as soon as you're able, go to the show notes page or open up SoundCloud and discover BMP's student-created albums. I promise you'll be inspired by what you hear. Remember that music creation is part of who we are as humans. It's inherent in us. And our job as educators is to create a space where all types of music creation are embraced and appreciated. Whether it's a kindergartner inventing a new body percussion move or a junior in high school mixing hip hop beats. Let's teach them that their creative genius is always welcome and their love for music will always make them musicians. Enjoy this time and experience with them in creation and keep teaching on.